Welcome to the Dudes and Doxology podcast. It is episode four. Kyle, how excited are you that it's episode four? Are you extremely excited? On a scale of one to four, I'm a four. <laughs> I would expect nothing less. We are down a dude today. Hunter is not with us. We miss him, but he'll be back next time. So it is just Kyle and I. It is episode four, and Kyle, before we go any farther, and we have a lot of what a really cool thing we're doing uh, in this episode, we have a really cool interview to, to share with you in just a little bit. But Kyle, before we go any further, I have a new life development that I want to share with you and then all of our listeners. And I told you I had something to share before we started recording and I didn't tell you what it was so I could get your yep. genuine reaction. Yeah. Before we started recording. So growing up in a Christian home, I, in the, in the nineties and early two thousands, I was not allowed to watch Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. growing up were you allowed uh, to watch harry potter uh, no not until i was a teenager yeah so like even when i was a teenager like devil's play really yeah oh wow. like that and pokemon straight from hell yeah straight oh. like satan satan's like satan's ploy i just spit everywhere satan's ploy to get the youths of america yeah so i go and give plasma twice a week okay plasma giving plasma hey, me too do you really yeah i do in ankeny yeah what days do you go? Wednesday and Sunday. I go Wednesdays and Fridays. How have I never seen you? I go like early mornings, like oh, 630. No, I, I go right after work on Wednesdays. That's crazy. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. Those are, so you gave today. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's good money as you know. Oh yeah. It's like 130 bucks yeah. a week. Yeah. Which is insane. So anyways, um, if you go give plasma, write, write our names down as yeah. <laughs> referrals. Actually tell us first before you go so then we can do the <laughs> referral thing in the app. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 I didn't even know how that works. So anyways, so anyways, so I give plasma twice a week and uh, it's, you know, it's an hour, hour and a half process typically for me at least. And um, I always like to watch something mm. and I, it's always something that I like, okay, if I'm going to watch something, it needs to be something that my wife is not interested in. So like I can watch it without her and she won't care. Yep. Do you and do you and Kennedy like have shows you watch together? Then you have yes. shows you watch separately. Yes. Okay. Kaylee and I hundred percent do that as well. So I was, you know, scrolling through Peacock. I don't know. Do you have Peacock? Yes. I have Peacock as well. The primary reason I got Peacock first and foremost, when it first came out was because I had the office yeah. and then, you know, it also has some other good stuff in it, but primarily the office and then yep. super fan episodes, yes. which like That's are my one favorite of the shows thing. that I don't, I can't watch separately. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Really? Yeah. You have to watch super fan episodes yeah. together. Yeah, well, because, I mean, if I start talking about it and she doesn't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> hey, there was this new scene in this. Yeah, 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 yeah. totally. Okay, totally. Um, so Peacock has all, correct me if I'm wrong, is it nine Harry Potter films? Or is it ten? Because in the last one, like, it's like well, two parts. Well, are you including the Fantastic Beasts movies? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> okay, no. So there's So there's seven of the main Harry Potter series. Okay, shoot, I'm way over. Yeah, there's seven. There's seven, and then there's also, well, I, I think it's just seven, but I'm not. Man, an I thought it was like nine. On the Harry Potter movies. Okay, so anyways, I turned thirty at the end of this year. Yeah, and I decided. I just for the record, I don't. <laughs> That's right, because you're two weeks younger than me, <laughs> like th- two and a half. Anyways, um, so yeah, I I started Sorcerer's Stone. Wow. A week and a half ago, and I finished it on Friday. Yeah. You know, watching it, watch it in segments, right? Yeah. And uh, I'm kind of hooked. Yeah. Like, I really liked it. Yeah. I, so, like, I like them a lot. I can, I, I don't know why. I was a, was not allowed to watch Harry Potter growing up, but I was allowed to watch Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Kind of seems like similar, at least so far. 
potions and spells and trolls yeah. and you know weird animals and stuff like that wizards and all this stuff but yeah it was like i so audience i'm going to keep you updated on my harry potter journey awesome uh, <laughs> i'm trying to think of what what to say but yeah so have you seen all seven yes so i've seen one other of oh, no, the, i'm sorry it's seven books six and eight movies Okay, eight movies. Yeah. Okay. The last the last book is split into two movies. Part one and part two. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna hear about this when I get when my wife watches this episode. She's <laughs> like, "How did you not know that?" Is Kennedy a big yeah, Harry Potter is. person? Yeah. What is what do you call a Harry Potter person? They're a big Potterhead. Potterhead. Yeah. It makes me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't know what you call a person who's in the Lord of the Rings. What do you call them? Just a Lo- nerd. Just Lotra? probably just a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> just a dweeb. Um. Yeah, so, yeah, big into Harry Potter. Not big now, but, like, I got one movie done. I'm going to start the second one on Wednesday when I go back to BioLife. Um, and I told my parents today at lunch, I was like, why did you guys keep this from me? <laughs> why did you never let me watch these movies? Well, yeah, I saw you were sitting with your parents today. Yes, my parents. Yeah. So my dad and my mom. So my dad's a pastor in Ames, and all month he's been on sabbatical. And so it's, this Sunday was his last one. He wanted to come to church with me and he's never, you know, come to our Sunday morning services before. And I, yeah, I can't remember the last time I sat with my parents in church. I mean, it's been, probably been a long, long, it's long been time since, I mean, and even like well, since your dad got a job as a pastor, probably. that's what I'm saying. Like, I cannot remember the last time I sat with my parents in church. I mean, cool. since I was a child yeah. really since I was, so it was kind of a cool experience. And, uh, Todd and my dad are kind of like friends. Nice. Like, I think they're Facebook friends. Wow. They chat sometimes. You know, you so you sat with your parents at church this morning, and uh-huh. I didn't because I was in the Foundations of Theology class. You always sit with your parents, or in the same row at least. Yeah, yeah, always. You're always next to them. And that was like the first time in a while that we haven't. Wow. So like two different worlds for both of us. Yeah. Friends, before we go any farther, talking about Harry Potter and going to church with our parents as almost 30-year-olds, we need to dive into our devotion this morning. And then we're going to share why we're so excited about this episode Kyle, what is our devotional for episode four of Dudes in Doxology? Our devotional is going to be from the book of 1 Peter, chapter 3, verses 13 through 16. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. But have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. I wanted to read that today as our devotional, just as an encouragement for anyone listening, also for myself as a reminder Mm. that when it comes to being a Christian, there's going to be opposition uh, the beliefs of the Christian faith are, I think I can safely say, by definition, exclusive, very exclusive. Um, and by by virtue of what the claims of Christianity are, if you have, if you live by a worldview which is contrary to what Christianity teaches, it's always going to be offensive. Um, and it's like that for everybody. Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life," and he meant that he was. No one else is. And when we face opposition as Christians, 
we're encouraged here in First Peter that we need to be prepared. And that would mean stay in your Bible. Okay, Charles Spurgeon said, visit many good books, but live in the scriptures. And there's a lot of truth in that. Living in the scriptures doesn't just mean you read it more than anything else. It means it is how you live your life. And so when we do that, we can be better prepared to give an answer for the hope that is in us. Because as Christians, we have the ultimate hope, the hope of the gospel, the promise that by our faith, by God's grace, one day we will be rescued. I guess that's the best way to put it from our sins and we will be with God for eternity. And so we need to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that is in us when people give us opposition. And we need to do it with gentleness and respect. It says, I'm going to read verse 16 again, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. If someone is opposing what you are saying, if you're out, you're talking, or maybe even if it's just a civil conversation, if someone is giving you pushback, if you resort to any kind of anger, name calling, or any such thing that would not resemble godliness, it's gonna it's gonna ruin um, your at least it's gonna ruin your reputation in that conversation. It might even make people not want to have future conversations with you. But having good behavior, not resorting to name calling, slander, not getting angry, keeping your keeping your cool. Anytime that someone slanders you because of your faith, you can always refer back to your good conduct when you are sharing your faith and it would put them to shame for claiming false things about you. And so just just as a final word on all of that, we need to be ready. We need to do it. Not only do we need to be ready, but we just need to do it. We need to share our faith. We need to be ready when we're doing it and we need to do it with gentleness and respect in a Christ-like manner. Yeah, amen. I mean, we just, in the student ministry, we just finished all summer. We did an eight-week series called Gospel 101. And it was eight weeks on like what is the gospel and the different facets of the gospel and the different doctrinal terms that we get from the gospel, you know, justification, redemption, adoption, sanctification, those types of things. And I was not surprised, but there were so many students in our student ministry that I don't think before the summer could concisely and you know clearly articulate what the gospel was. But now I feel like they've been given the tools to do that. You know, if they paid attention and came most weeks, it is summertime, so it's a little hit and miss. But yeah, be ready to tell why you have a hope in Jesus. Be ready to share why you have a hope in Jesus. Be ready, be ready to share what that hope in Jesus means, why, who is Jesus, and then to do it gently and respectfully. So we're not supposed to be like jerks for Jesus. We're not supposed to like go shove down the Bible someone's throat. You know what I mean? Really good. And that's an appropriate devotional for today because today's episode is a little different. We have our um, first, I guess, out of podcast studio interview today. And we are interviewing a young man by the name of Marcus Schroeder. And if you pay attention to news at all, Marcus made news earlier this month. It's still the month of August. He made news earlier this month in Wisconsin when he was arrested for reading the Bible at, in a in a public space at a city public event, 
uh, reading the Bible at an event called Drag Drag Queen Story Time, Story Hour. Um, up in Wisconsin, made national news, national headlines. We're super thankful for Marcus. And uh, so, Kyle, here's our interview with Marcus Schroeder. All right, everybody, we are joined here by our guest, Marcus Schroeder. Marcus, how are you, man? Good, how are you doing? Doing really, really well. Thanks for taking time out of, I'm sure, your busy schedule uh, uh, to join us on the Dudes and Dogsology podcast. So, Marcus, um, just uh, before we get into like what happened earlier this month um, with the arrest and all the different things, we would love to give you an opportunity just to share your testimony with how you how you came to know Christ. When I was I, I was raised in a Christian family, I had two Christian parents. Uh, I was saved when I was around four. And uh, it, when I was like three, four years old, I was asking my mom a lot of like deep questions about why God allows evil in the world and things like that. And so as I was like thinking through some of those things, you know, there was a moment where I was just asking my mom and talking about some of these spiritual matters. And I realized that I was a sinner and I needed a, a savior and I couldn't save myself. And so I put my faith in Christ. I didn't know fully what that all entailed, but I knew enough to know that I needed to be saved. And so, yeah, I was about four and almost right away. I, I had kind of like a passion for preaching the gospel. I started like grabbing tracks and giving out to people as like a little four year old, just passing out tracks um, everywhere I went. And then, you know, as life went on, that kind of started to fade away. Uh, other things kind of started to take, take root in my life. And, and, uh, you know, you kind of forget about that, that first uh, passion you have for the gospel. And so, you know, that, that kind of went on until I was about, middle school uh, I was just kind of living typical middle schoolers life and and God just really convicted me and woke me up to my nominal Christianity just not not living my faith out in every aspect of my life and so I had seen a movie about abortion that really kind of shook me to my core and I realized that I needed to do something if I really said I was a Christian and I claimed to love my neighbor as myself then I ought to do something about this Holocaust that was raging in my land. And so I started getting involved with that. And that then took me back to realizing the importance of the gospel, that these are sin issues, and that the solution is to have people transformed uh, by the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And so it kind of gave me a passion for bringing Christ's kingdom into every aspect of life. And uh, so I've been been doing uh, abortion ministry, street ministry, and, and that kind of thing for about four to five years now. Awesome. Praise God. And Marcus, just remind me, how old are you right now? I'm 19. 19 years old. Still a teenager. That's crazy. That's crazy. All right. Um, well, Marcus, the reason why we're having you on the podcast, besides just you you clearly just being an awesome dude, is you were you made the news, national news, multiple news outlets, Fox News, CNN, Christian News, um, Yahoo News. I mean, just a couple to name a couple notable news outlets. But you were arrested um, in, uh, Clearwater, Wisconsin. Is that correct? Uh, it was Watertown. Watertown. I was close. Watertown, Wisconsin for reading the Bible at a public, uh, drag queen story hour. I assume meant for kids. Yes. And so Marcus, I'm going to kind of hand it over to you. Walk us through the kind of events that happened, uh, on that day. Yeah. So we, we went there that day to preach the gospel, to kind of be a public witness against a lot of the things that they were doing, uh, because uh, it, w- it was advertised as a pride event for kids. 
And so they had like an all day event. It was like from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. They rented a public park. So it was outside and they had a drag queen story hour for a short time in the morning. And then they had this big stage in the park where they did two drag queen dance hours, uh, one at like around noon and the second one around three o'clock. And I was arrested during the second one around three o'clock. And so that that was going on. And and you can I, th- I think the videos and stuff are up online. I'm not sure exactly where, but uh, there's videos online of uh, from that day of the drag queens and what they were doing. They were it was literally grown men dressed in lingerie. Uh, gyrating in front of two, three, four, five-year-old kids out in the park. The children were uh, encouraged to put dollar bills, give dollar bills to the drag queens. It was literally being run like a like a strip show out there in the p- public park. And all the police were out there. They saw all this going on. We brought to their attention multiple times a statute that explicitly criminalizes what the drag queens were doing. I think it's like statute 948.055. And so we brought that to their attention. Statute is pretty simple. It's like you cannot expose a minor to sexually suggestive material. And so we we brought that to their attention. They refused to uphold the law. And so right around three o'clock, I bring out my speaker and it was actually my friend's speaker. And so I, I grabbed the speaker and I, I put it up on the public sidewalk. And so the drag queen story hour had a fenced in area that they had had a permit for, but I was outside the fence. I was on the public sidewalk about a hundred yards away from where they were even doing the dance hour. So I wasn't seriously disrupting it. And that was our first time using amplification all day. We hadn't used amplification at all before that. So there were no warnings given to us. And I just turned on the speaker and started reading the Bible from Galatians five, which isn't even a passage that talks about homosexuality or it's not, it's not a hard hitting passage, which I don't think we should avoid those passages. I've read from those too, but you know, ironically, it was just a passage about love what is true love love is the fulfillment of the law you can't divorce the ethic of love from scripture or else you can use it to justify anything you want you have to you have to define your terms and so god defines love as the fulfillment of his law you shall not murder you should not steal you should not covet your neighbor's possession you, you know you should not commit adultery that's how you show love towards your neighbor and so we can't we can't take love and twist it out of its context to use it to justify our own sexual perversions and lusts and so that's why I was reading from that passage, but it's not even hard hitting. It's just like love one another, love your neighbor as yourself, that kind of thing. And yeah, as I was reading that, one. right, yeah, yeah. And the the very beginning of that video, it's like that two minute video that's been playing everywhere on the news and everything like that. The very beginning of that video was actually the beginning of me using the amplification. So we got on recording that whole two minutes is our entire use of the amplification, our entire interaction with the police. Everything's caught there right on camera, that that entire scenario. And then people have asked, like when the, the officer comes over, well, let, let, let me back up for a moment. So I, I started using the speaker and like right away within a matter of moments, several officers kind of surround me and without saying anything to me, they didn't talk to me. They didn't give me any warning. One of the officers just comes up and literally jerks my hand down, starts grabbing my wrist and twisting it down and starts trying to wrench the, the microphone out of my hand. And as he was doing that, I just asked him, I was like, what are you doing? Is there a law I'm breaking? Why are you, why are you acting in this behavior in, in this manner? And he just continued to grab the microphone out of my hand and then he he said something about, well, this is the same speaker as before. And so some people have assumed like, oh, he must have received a warning. That's not the case. The reason he said that is because earlier that day, one of our guys had the speaker and he didn't have it on. He wasn't using it, but he, he was just carrying it around. Uh, I think he was moving from one spot to another. But so he was carrying it, but he was inside the fence 
that the drag queens had the permit for. So an officer came up to him and said, you can't have that speaker in here because they have a permit for this park. So you have to take it outside the fence, which he did. And then once I grabbed the speaker later, I brought it outside the fence. So the only only thing they had said to us about the speaker beforehand, where he mentions, hey, the same speaker as before, where there was an issue about this earlier, was simply, you can't have it inside the fence. They have a permit for this area. I was outside the fence. I was on the public sidewalk. I was in complete. I was in line with everything that they had communicated that was required of us beforehand. And so he grabs the microphone from me and I'm just asking, why are you doing this? Is there a law I'm breaking? And a few moments later, another officer grabs my other arm from behind my back, just kind of jerks it, starts twisting it, and then starts handcuffing me. And I was like, wow, they're, they're actually going to arrest me. And uh, I was a little shocked, and but I didn't pull away. I didn't I didn't go limp or anything like that. I As soon as I realized I was being arrested, I didn't resist anything. And they arrested me. Uh, they they put me in custody for about an hour and took me to the police station, took my mugshot, booked me. And they essentially released me with two citations, one for amplification without a permit and the second one for resisting arrest, which if you watch the video, of course, I said it's completely ludicrous. I didn't resist arrest. And then the other one is completely ridiculous as well, because if you actually look at my citation, the, the paper they gave me, the, the code that they charged me with for amplification without a permit is actually music amplification without a permit. And it's it's for essentially if you want to have a music festival in the park, I'd have to get a permit from the city a week beforehand in order to do that, which makes sense. You know, that's something very different than a protest, the right to free speech. And in fact, the Supreme Court has ruled that there are two protected classes of speech that those ordinances cannot apply to, and that is political speech and religious speech. Those are the two protected classes, which my my speech would classify as both. And so those are the protected classes, and essentially the only thing that police can do to restrict those protected classes of speech is if the speech is being done in an unreasonable time, place, or manner. So if it's like 1 o'clock in the morning, outside somebody's house, amp turned all the way up, that kind of thing, that's unreasonable time, place, and manner. But three o'clock in the afternoon, in the middle of a park on a public sidewalk outside their fence, a hundred yards away from the drag queen event, with two hundred other protesters there that day, there there is nothing they could legally do to stop me from using that amplification. And uh, but yet they they took some code that was meant for some some completely different scenario and tried to apply it to me in order to shut down our right to free speech. And in fact, they actually still have our speaker and mic. So they essentially stole our property. They, they are still holding it in evidence. Like to this day, they will not give it to us. They said until the case is closed. And so, you know, we've had other events that we've wanted to go to. And and so they're they're really like con continuing to restrict our rights to free speech. Fortunately, our group has more than one speaker. But, um, you know, they're they're They stole our property. They restricted our right to free speech that day and just completely acted outside of the law. Yeah, Marcus, thanks for sharing. So, yeah, a couple of questions and Kyle hop in whenever whenever you have a question as well. So you said there were other protesters there protesting what I assume the, the drag queen story time or story hour. Is that where are they? Were they with you? Were there just other protesters there? Yeah, there were probably, I'd say, 40 people in my group and, you know, uh, for my church and then our ministry that um, I help uh, serve for Warriors for Christ. It's like a group of about 50 to 60 young people coalition of like nine different churches in the area. Um, but, but so yeah, there's probably like 40 of us there that day uh, with my group specifically, but there are probably around 200 protesters. Um, many of people I don't know have never met before that day. 
Uh, I think Gays Against Groomers were there. There were a few other churches, local churches out there. So in total, there are about 200 protesters, um, all protesting the drag queen event, um, but not all of them were associated with us or each other. Sure. Were there, so this, this drag queen event, you know, pretty much spanning a good chunk of the day, if not all of the day, was this put on by a local drag group? Was it city sponsored? Do you, do you know those details? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, it was put on by, what's the name? Um, there's a Watertown LGBTQ activist group. Uh, the, the name, their specific name is slipping my mind right now. Um, I, I might think of it later, but, but they, they essentially put it on and then they got a permit for the park. So it wasn't, it wasn't sponsored by the city, but the city did put a lot of tax dollars towards it. Well, first the massive police force that day, uh, providing them with like fences and, and the pavilions and things like that. There, there was a lot, um, that the city did to help facilitate it, even though it wasn't technically city sponsored. Sure. Oh, I remember it was Watertown unity project, I believe is the name of the group. Okay. All right, cool. So I was just curious, is this, um, is this something that you do on a normal basis? Is this uh, every weekend thing or once a month type thing? Like, is there regularity to anything you do with that? Yeah, yeah. Go out to the abortion clinic every week. Uh, after Roe was overturned, the abortion clinics were shut down in Wisconsin. So praise God for that. Great but um, yeah, and then, and then from there, you know, we've gone to a lot of drag queen events, pride events, uh, pride picnics with you know, kids going to these places and, and, and things like that. And so we, we do a lot of ministry like that. It's, it's, uh, whenever the events are going on. So sometimes it's every week, sometimes it's multiple times a week, and sometimes it's once a month, you know? So, um, typically June is a lot busier for us. Uh, but, but now it's probably, uh, two or maybe two things a month like that, uh, specific, but then we also do a lot of other stuff. We've got some political political connections. Uh, we're working with some uh, representatives in the legislature to essentially bring forward a bill that would criminalize any LGBTQ event that's done with minors present. So it's like, you can do those events, just don't bring the kids into it, is essentially what the bill says, uh, which I think is a good start at, at the very least. And um, and so, yeah, we're working on a, a good man in the legislature to bring some that forward. Then we also put on conferences, apologetics sessions, training sessions. Uh, we're doing one September 9th where we're going to have, you know, just one night thing with uh, from like 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. where we're going to have like a few different speakers uh, talking about how to be engaged biblically in the culture around us. And we're going to be bringing a lot of people in for that and uh, have like different apologetic training sessions. So we've got a lot going on. Uh, we also have a podcast and YouTube uh, channel. Things like that. The Warriors for Christ podcast is what, is what it's called. It's on YouTube and Apple Podcasts right now. We just started up like a month ago, uh, but oh. it's been you know, so yeah. And then our YouTube channel is Warriors for Christ Studios. There's another there's another channel called Warriors for Christ. That's not us. We are Warriors for Christ Studios. So mm-hmm. that's how you tell, that's how you tell us apart. But but yeah. So that, that's that's what we got going on. And so we do this. We do that kind of thing quite a bit. Awesome. So I mean, it it sounds like since, since you are you do do these types of things often on a regular basis. It sounds like you're, I mean, you're, you're already quoting code, city code, county code, state code, whatever it is. It sounds like you are familiar with what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do. So, um, what has been your interaction with police? You know, has it been hostile 
previous before this event? Has there been no interaction? What's been your interaction with police when you come to, you know, protest or, or, you know, be at these types of events in the past before that day? Honestly, it depends on the city. Uh, A lot of times we we have a lot of interactions with police because, you know, people complain or things like that, or the police uh, clearly have beef against us. And so sometimes in, in the city, uh, depending on the city or the district, there are police who are, you know, just there to do their job. They protect the other side. They help protect us. You know, they're just there to protect both sides and and make sure nobody gets hurt kind of thing. And that's that's nice. Um, and, and, you know, we're glad for their service and, and whatnot. Uh, but then there are other times where we can clearly tell that, you know, the, there are specific officers who have a personal bias against us. They come out and they're literally trying to do anything they can to stop us uh, from being out there. And typically what that looks like is they'll come up to us and say some, sometimes kind of aggressively, sometimes, you know, just in a like a th- that kind of attitude, that kind of air about them and, and just come up and be like, you can't do this here. You're not allowed to be here and try to kick us off the sidewalk. But never before have they ever grabbed me without talking to me and arrested me like that. But in those sometimes where the the police are a little bit more aggressive and they just come up and they're like, you can't be here. Try to kick us off the sidewalk, try to get us away. What we do is we'll stop using the speaker and we'll talk to them and we'll say, okay, can you show us the code? Can you show us what, and they can't show us a code. So a lot of times they'll pull up like something like the music amplification thing. And then we'll, you know, we, we, we know our rights. And, and then a lot of times it's happened where we ask for their supervisor. Can you bring your supervisor out here? Supervisor comes out. I don't think there's been a single time where the supervisor comes out and says that we can't continue because the supervisor knows that we have the right to continue. And so the supervisor usually comes out and is like, yeah, they're right. They have the right to be here. And so typically, even in the hostile situations that we've had before, it's a conversation that's had. We'll pause for a moment so that we can talk to the officer, be respectful of them. And then, but then also stand for our rights as well. Uh, so re- be respectful of them, but also be like, hey, you, you can't just arbitrarily tell us to stop. You're not here. You don't make the law. You're here to enforce what, what the law is. And so I will have that conversation. And then almost always we're able to continue. Yeah. Okay. So all really good information. So that day you're protesting this drag queen story hour meant for kids where there is explicit sexual dancing and kids are given dollars to throw at these men dressed up like women wearing lingerie. You are, as far as you know, uh, not breaking um, any law or city code with your amplification. Uh, You're on a public sidewalk. Um, You're then uh, abruptly arrested. Um, You know, the, the police officers are grabbing your arms, twisting your arms, putting you in handcuffs and then you're released a short time later after being booked and having your mugshot taken. And then what I think circulated possibly more online than that situation was when you went to the city council. Uh, how far, how long after did you go to the city council to make that speech that you made after that day you were arrested? How, how many days after that? It's like two to three days. Let's see. I was arrested Saturday. And that, was, that was a Tuesday night. Yeah. So you went to city council, and that's what I initially saw online, was uh, you standing behind the desk and giving what I think was just a fantastic speech uh, to city council, um, where you share scripture. You you, um, clearly, I think, uh, stated your point, um, and and I will give the audio for that uh, right now. Doing good tonight? 
I just wanted to ask a simple question. I know, you know, a Nazi group showed up at the event Saturday and people were talking about that. And I just wanted for all of us to really think about this. What's wrong with Nazism? Like, seriously, what's wrong with Nazism? Because imagine for a moment that there is no God above us, no hell below us, no heaven to live for, as John Lennon wanted to imagine. If we are truly the result of evolved stardust and our ancestors were fish and were the descendants of monkeys, then where do we find our value as human beings? What's wrong with Nazism unless if you understands that the God of Scripture says that we are made in his image. And so to murder innocent people is a violation to God's commands. As a Christian, I can say that Nazis, what the Nazis did in Nazi Germany was completely horrific and that they should have been resisted. In fact, the, the number one people group that resisted the Nazis were Christians. And the, and the reason why, the reason why was because they had a worldview that says that people are made in God's image and that they have worth and value. That's why Nazism is wrong. But if we're going to reject the Christian worldview, then we can't hold on to the fruit that comes from the Christian worldview while denying the actual foundation. Intolerance is an interesting word. Tolerance, intolerance, hatred, love, bigotry, things like that. Because really every culture has something that it's intolerant towards and something that it's tolerant of. I mean, there are things like murder and rape and and you know stealing and, and just crimes that we are intolerant towards as a society. And, and so every society has something that's intolerant towards. The question is just what is our object of intolerance and what is our object of tolerance? When I showed up Saturday, all I did was read from scripture on the sidewalk. I read from the Bible, Galatians. And by the way, I wasn't reading Romans 1. I wasn't reading any passage that spoke against homosexuality or anything like that. I was reading a passage from the Bible about love. And I was arrested. No reason, not given any warning, not told anything about my amplification needed to be turning down. I was arrested and taken into custody simply for reading the Bible on the sidewalk. You see, as we become more and more tolerant of sexual immorality in our culture, we become more and more intolerant towards Christian morality. And the more we become intolerant towards Christian morality, the more we're going to see lawlessness in our streets. The more we become intolerant of Christian morality, the more we're going to see Nazis. The more we're going to see people who don't hold to a Christian worldview, who think that everybody is a result of animals, and therefore if we are animals, then why can't we just act like animals? We were called a hate group. We were told that we don't want to understand the other side, and I just want to set the record straight. I am more than happy to have that conversation with the other side. I did speech and debate throughout high school, and one of the things that we were taught in debate is that you can't make an argument for your side until you're able to make the argument for the other side. I've sat down and had hours of discussions with LGBTQ activists. I completely understand the other side. I want to understand the other side. But drag queens twerking on kids in lingerie is unacceptable, and that's something that we have to notice as a culture. We can have our disagreements. But there comes a time when we have to understand that we are all going to stand before God one day. And we're going to have to give an account for what we have done with the children in our society. The innocent minds and the children who deserve to be protected. Thank you. Go ahead and tell us um, what's been the reaction uh, to you specifically from the time at the city council, that the, from, the, from the things you said. Yeah, that... That, that was an interesting night because for, for a little bit of context for that speech, 
Yeah. Early, back during the protest on Saturday, there was a group that had shown up and like, like I explained earlier, we, we go to a lot of these events before. So we are pretty well aware of the landscape. We know most of the other activist groups that are out there on both sides, that kind of thing. Um, even if we're not associated with them, we kind of, we kind of know what we're playing with, who, who the other groups are and whatnot. Cause a lot of these groups just travel from place to place. It's not like it's a new, even though it's new cities, it's a lot of times it's the same people. Uh, sure. But but there was a group that shows up that we've never seen before, never heard of before, have no idea who they are. They're kind of dressed like Antifa, really. I think they had like khakis on, but they were like dressed in all black from the waist up and had masks on. They were carrying ARs, you know, open carry and stuff like that. And 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 they were carrying these big black flags with the, the swastika on it. And, you know, they were like identifying as a neo-Nazi group. And they were coming there to supposedly protest the drag queen event. And so they came up, they had a guy actually recording them as they walked up into the park. And then they got all of the attention of the media right away, obviously. And so that just kind of happened right away. All the media, all the news comes over. They got some interviews, I think, stuff like that. And then they started doing these different chants and and saying, no, there will be blood, 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 and, and chanting that over and over again. And then saying that pedophiles get the rope and, uh, you know, just saying different inflammatory Tory chants and kind of chanting that on the sidewalk. By the way, none of them were arrested. <laughs> of uh, course not. Yeah. So so that that was ironic. But they did that. They did that for about 20 minutes and then they left. So th- this event was all day. We were there all day. They show up. We've never heard of them before. They show up to protest this event. They show up for 20 minutes, leave. We never hear of them again. And we're like, well, that was interesting. And all of a sudden, you know, the governor tweets about it in support of the LGBTQ movement because Nazis are targeting them. And the all the news like picks up on how essentially anybody there to protest that day were with the Nazis. So because we were there before they were there and we were there after they were there, we were literally there all day. But just because they showed up for 20 minutes, we were all of a sudden associated with them. And you so that was them, so you're all Nazis now. Yes. Yep. Yep, we were apparently all just the same people. And so then that city council uh, meeting uh, a couple days later, there were some LGBTQ activists going up and speaking before the city council, talking about us as if we were the Nazis. And Mm -hmm. some of them admitted like, hey, we know that they're not the same group, but they're essentially the same group was essentially how their speeches were going. They're like, we know that they're not the same group, but let's not forget they were standing on the same side of the fence. And they hold to the same beliefs and they were protesting the same event. And so they were doing their best with their rhetoric to group us in as much as they could in order to just silence us. So people would just dismiss us as a bunch of crazy fanatic, like weirdos, you know, carrying around swastikas when uh, obviously we we had no idea who they were. They show up for 20 minutes and and, uh, you know, there are a lot of questions that people have like, you know, do you think that was a setup or who are those people? And honestly, we have no idea no idea who they are um does it make you a little suspicious that maybe it was set up a little bit maybe i'm not i mean i'm not trying to like very suspicious of whatever what what the narrative is that's being spun but anyway that was the narrative of a lot of the news articles and so it was in that context i go up i give that speech and you know i kind of open my speech with asking them what's wrong with nazism and of course the crowd is shocked by that right away they a few of them like kind of gasp at that but then I, I kind of pause. I'm like, guys, I'm serious. Let's think about this because 
according to your worldview, we are the result of evolved stardust. We are animals. You say that uh, biblical Christianity, that kind of morality, that ought not to be imposed upon others. We ought not to impose our beliefs upon others. We ought not to kind of force our morality through law. And so if that's the case, what's wrong with the Nazis? You know, we, we are animals. Right. Why? What's what's wrong with, like, why are you complaining about that? You have no basis, no standard, no worldview that has a coherent foundation to appeal to a consistent morality that would call that even wrong. They're, they're just living out what they believe is true for them. And just because that's not true for you, uh, according to your relativism, you have no basis to say that their truth isn't true. Right. And so I just kind of call them out and point out that inconsistency. And then I also talk about how it's Christianity that has the coherent foundation that tells us that man is made in God's image with worth and with value and and that human beings ought to be protected and valued and cherished and that we have the rights to life, that we have certain inalienable rights that have been given to us by our creator. And therefore, Nazism is wrong. And I, I kind of use that. And uh, by the grace of God, that speech kind of just went out all over the internet as you were talking about. And since then, I don't think I saw a single article trying to group us in with the Nazis anymore. So it was that, that, that whole argument that they had where they were trying to group us in, it was pretty much dropped after that. Well, praise God. Yeah, I just thought that was super thoughtful of you, very wise, um, and really a great way to, I mean, get people who don't have a biblical worldview to maybe start thinking, uh, you know, in those terms. I thought that was just really, really good. Uh, so, Marcus, where do we stand now? Obviously, a lot of this is kind of in the rearview mirror. Um, so where are we at now with this whole situation? Yeah, so we've got my, so I went into court. I think a week or two ago and pled not guilty for my citations and uh, the charges against me. And then they sent me a thing in the mail. So September 14th is my pretrial hearing. It's essentially just a phone call with the prosecuting attorney to see if we can come to some sort of agreement without having to go to court. So hopefully, you know, I'm just kind of hoping that they use their brains, drop the charges and, and uh, we don't have to worry much much anymore about this whole situation but um you know we'll, we'll see what happens september 14th marcus so you're still a teenager um I'm, I'm the youth pastor here at our church personally uh uh kyle helps with our young adult ministry how can young people get involved with the fight against sin especially in our culture yeah we got to understand that every culture has different evils that it faces in different times and Martin Luther, I think it was Martin Luther that said that if he preaches the entire counsel of God's word, except that one point that is most vehemently under attack in his day, then he has failed as a soldier of the cross and is not worthy of the kingdom of Christ. And, and you know, there are different times where missionaries in history have gone to cultures. And what was the sin of that culture? Well, it was like cannibalism or Amy Carmichael goes to India what was the sin of that culture at that time? It was temple prostitution. They were stealing girls and selling them into prostitution. And every single time in these different cultures, there were different sins that were predominant, that the Christians addressed those sins specifically and called the nation to repentance, both at an individual level and at a familial level and at a corporate level. It's not, it's not just 
individual it starts there but it's, it's supposed to work its way out like leaven in a lump of dough that you know mm -hmm. just kind of works out throughout the entire uh society and so um you know it's it's it it start we, we have to understand that it does start with the individual and that is important so the the first thing in fighting against sin no i mean that everybody's going to be a slave to something we're either going to be a slave to the devil and our sin and our loss or we're going to be a slave to christ and you have to you have to ask yourself which one's a better master Wh which is the master that you want to serve and you know we have to start thinking in those terms that we are bond servants of christ that you know we owe him our allegiance and our our, our you know we owe him our lives mm -hmm. and uh that that's where things start but also we have to not be afraid to actually call out the specific sins that we are facing today in our culture because it's easy to just say yeah there's sin out there and yeah people need to repent but what's hard is to actually call out the specific things that people need to repent of because that's what makes people uncomfortable but that's also where the power of the gospel is seen the brightest is when you know christians have stood in between the cannibals and their intended victims and said no this is wrong you're not going to do this you need to turn to christ and live and you know when amy carmichael starts rescuing hundreds of girls from temple prostitution that's when you see the light of christianity worked out into every aspect of life into the fabric of all of culture and all of society because faith without works is dead and so it, it ought to start with the heart but that ought to flow out into everything we do and so you know getting started with uh this this fight you know starts with yourself but then getting started culturally you know just go out there and, and start preaching the gospel start evangelizing start learning apologetics learn how to give a defense uh for the hope that is within you and so when you go out there and you just start to have those conversations with people going to events like drag queen story hours look it up just google it drag queen story hours party events i'm sure there's things in your area you know it's it's literally been spreading across the entire nation there are things that you know these people are hurting and broken and and then there, there are also people who are targeting innocent children and if we say we love our neighbors as as ourselves we ought to be acting in a way that protects those children and mm -hmm. so going out there and being a voice for the voiceless being out there and seeking justice rebuking the oppressor those things are important and doing it with the power of the gospel understand it's the gospel that transforms and you start going out there I think the biggest fear people have is, well, somebody's going to ask me a question I won't know the answer to, or somebody's going to, and if that happens, we kind of have this blame on ourselves that, that if I fail, then essentially I've failed God and, and this person might be going to hell because I didn't properly represent the answer correctly. And if that's the case, that's our fear, then we need to trust God more mm -hmm. honestly about those things. Uh, God uses our faithfulness and we're always going to fall short. And so if if our standard is we're not going to start until we are perfect, then God's just never going to use us because he uses the small acts of obedience that actually um, he uses those things to transform the world. He uses things where like Peter's fishing and he's not getting any fish. And then Christ says, you know, throw your nut on the other side of the boat and his nut starts to break. It's that small act of obedience. And was there anything that Peter did when he cast his nut on the other side of the boat that led to him catching that, those fish? But was it, you know, was it the net that made the, net, the fish all come in all of a sudden when? No, it was it was through the work of God, but God worked through his act of obedience. And so, you know, we need to go out there and act in obedience and then also be humble about it. So 
you know, somebody comes up and they have a question or they have an argument and, you know, they might even be hateful towards you and yelling at you and calling you names and things like that. And they'll have an argument and you don't know the response to it. And you're like, man, do I look like an idiot right now? Well, first of all, the, something that actually makes you look better in those situations, people are, will actually respect you more is if you're just honest with them, you're humble about it. And you say, you know what? I don't know the answer to that. And then you go home and study it and make sure that's the last time you don't know the answer to that question. And the more you start to do that, you will start to grow in your knowledge of the defense of the truth and being able to grow in your wisdom before God and man and being able to, you know, kind of build up this tool belt of knowledge uh, through these different experiences where now after doing it for like four or five years, there's hardly any arguments I don't know the answer to from their side, just because I've been out there so many times, there's, there's not a lot of new stuff. And even still, there are some times where somebody has a new argument that I haven't heard before. It's a lot more rare now when you, you do it a lot. But every once in a while, I'll come up, and that's my practice. It's like, hey, you know what? I don't know the answer to it, but let me get back to you on that. Let me go study that, and I'll make sure that's the last time uh, I don't know the answer to that question. Good. Yeah, Marcus, what I would tell our students is you don't have to be perfect when you're talking with people about Jesus. You just need to be present with them. We're not, we're not striving after perfection. We just want you to be present. Um, Marcus, thanks for doing what's right, and thanks for giving Christians a good name. Uh, it's, it's good to meet a nice young man who um, – has a good head on his shoulders, who's standing up for Christ in the public realm and, um, yeah, is is talking about Jesus in the public forum in a way that is logical and helpful and, like First Peter says, kind and respectful. So, hey, Marcus, thank you for your time. Hey, thanks for having me on here. I enjoyed it. God bless you. All right. That was an interview with Marcus Schroeder. We want to thank Marcus for taking the time out of his, I'm sure, busy schedule to sit down and have a conversation with us. We want to end you with... Um, tonight's benediction and doxology from Hebrews Hebrews chapter 13 beginning in verse 20. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom to be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thanks everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. I'm not ready yet. <laughs> I'm not Cut. Ready. I'm not in character yet. <laughs> Ending of Dudes in Doxology, <laughs> take two. <laughs> I miss you, Hunter. <laughs> that was our interview. Is that be in the bloopers? <laughs> Do you like the bloopers? I love I the bloopers like, I from think last time. Awesome. No context, just no, us giggling just, and laughing. And, and nobody will ever know. <laughs> no, but we'll get some of us will know. All right, that was our inner <laughs> take three.